right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sells podcast, the podcast where we talk about culture, dating, relationships, and psychology from a male and a female perspective. I hope you are enjoying your week. I hope you're enjoying your day. Uh, we took a week off and we're back. We're refreshed. We're energized. We're going to start with a with a fun one. We're just going to do a fun one, guys. It's going to be <laughs> icks and red flags. Now, we've done previous podcasts about icks and red flags, so we're going to maybe look at some niche icks, some niche red flags, some interesting ones, and this one should be should be fun. We're not going to have any announcements on today's podcast, but... If you do want to come see a comedy show and live in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, or Newcastle, go to ComedyUntamed.com. Eliza, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Same as always. How are you? I'm good. I'm really yeah, what's good. What's been happening on your week off? Did you rest? Did you party? Did you um, work? I did a bit of both. Actually, ma- mainly resting. I didn't work, um, which is hard for me to do. Yeah, good on you. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, just kind of... Last Sunday, I uh, oh man, I was I was a sloth. I just uh, Uber Eats, McDonald's, and watched oh, uh, TV for a couple of hours, and pretty much didn't do anything. I had a few white claws. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was God. fun. It was disgusting, <laughs> but it was fun. It was just one day of getting it all out of my system, and then yeah, back to it on uh, on Monday. It was good. I was thinking about that the other day. If you take like designated weeks, like four weeks leave off, if you take blocks or if you just take a day here and there, you're always working. You can't help it when you when you're on social media and when you work for yourself. You uh, it's very hard to detach and yeah. properly have a day off because I always know even if I have a day off, there's always things to do, and it's more about just detaching from what I have to do because I know if I get that done, then I can have the day off tomorrow. And it's this never-ending cycle of uh, I wish I was like that. Things. Really? <laughs> it's like not good. I'm like the polar opposite of that. Adrian's like that too. He can't rest until everything's done, but nothing's ever – nothing. his list will never be done. I'm yeah. like I will rest until the very last urgent minute unless it's like my baby, of course, but I'm a – Queen resting. Well, that's probably good. You probably are, are a happier person, whereas people <laughs> like me are obsessed with organizing and, you know, having things yeah, you're done type and a. listed. Type and a. Yeah, yeah. Borderline OCD, basically. But hey, we get things done. So <laughs> that's <laughs> always good. Um, exactly. Tell me what, what you think of this story. This is quite funny. So I was uh, having dinner with Andrea and we had ordered some. Um, was it Thai food? Yeah, red curry. And, you know, I think I was being a bit lazy. I didn't put the curry in a bowl or anything, so just eating it out of the plastic container. And so I had the roti just like using that to eat the curry and then I I just wasn't focused uh, and my beard kind of went into the curry a little bit. And so then like the bottom of my beard just got (laughs) a bit of yellow curry on it and she just immediately got a huge ick. That's so and funny, Neil. Oh, it is I funny because I can see that the <laughs> yeah. image of that is is very. I can see how that would give off an ick, like a grown man getting curry on his beard, like not being able to eat it properly. <laughs> so literally, do you know what's funny is when we when you mentioned before, let's talk about icks. I wrote down like three icks, and one of them was food around the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> on a guy, I can't. It's a little crumb 
or something on the beard. I especially if it's like coffee, that's okay. If it's a little bit of milk froth, that's fine. If it's food, it's not okay. That and the other one I put was sausage breath. <laughs> sausage niche, breath. But that's just a personal experience I've had. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Someone tried to someone picked me up from his car. A guy went on a couple of dates with once, and he said, "I just had a sausage," and then tried to kiss me. <laughs> And all I could smell was the sausage in his breath and as a vegan, <laughs> I was so gross. Um, yeah, anything to do yeah, with those, those hygiene. Yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, anything, anything yeah. to do with hygiene or a lack thereof seems to be uh, what gives off the biggest ick. And mm. do you have any others that come to mind or any, any areas? Yeah, I where- had one. I had one the other day when I was in the gym and this the guy in front of me, he was like being all like kind of like macho trying to – he was trying to like uh, teach his girlfriend or a girl how to do things and he was like kind of being all like, oh, I come here often. And then he was doing squats right in front of me and every time he, he squatted down I could see his ass crack and it was so uh, – it just was – I just couldn't handle it. Um, it was so <laughs> – <laughs> gross to me. Yeah. It wasn't even that it was gross. I think it was just so funny considering how before I was rolling my eyes at him being like, this guy seems a bit like cocky. And then I get to see his butt crack every time he did a squat. <laughs> Good old uh, builder's crack. No, the plumber's crack. Yeah. yeah. Something about a, a butt crack, even on Adrian, like on anyone, I've never found a butt crack sexy. Just ever. Mm, that's interesting. Because I think when it peaks with, over the top of pants. Ah, uh, true. I mean, not on its own. I think men are the opposite. I think uh, for, for a lot of guys, if they see even just like a hint of butt crack, that's a turn on, <laughs> depending on the person. But it definitely wouldn't gross me out. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Icks are funny, aren't they? Because I don't remember when I was a kid or a teenager, do you even remember the term ick existing? I don't think it did. No, I was just reading up on this before and I I like read the sentence when you came online, so I can't remember, but it like originated not too um not too far not not too shit, not too long ago on a TV show or something. It was when the term was coined. So it kind of didn't have a word back in the day. Hmm. Apparently. That's just what I read on like an article. Because they do say that women generally have a higher disgust sensitivity than men. Yeah. And if I remember correctly from that book, which which I'd love to hear your thoughts on because you read it, uh, hormonal, a large reason for that disgust sensitivity is because if a woman is carrying a baby, she is more prone to uh, bacteria and pathogens. Yeah. And yeah. They, also, they also said that uh, when a woman is ovulating, she's more disgust sensitive because that's when the potentially fertilized egg is the most prone to being infected mm-hmm. with bacteria or some sort of pathogen. Mm-hmm. And that maybe manifests in the just a lower threshold of uh, disgust sensitivity when it comes to romantic partnerships. Or it could be that uh, men are just slobs. So who knows? That's so, you know, I can, I forgot about that. And I like, I'm addicted to creating data on my own life. Um, so I like always track things that are happening with me and like record things and stuff like that. And I've talked about this before, but I have like really bad misophonia where I 
cannot stand when I hear people eat. Like that basically misophonia is when you get um an irrational rage or emotional reaction to a specific sound. So for some people it's nails on a chalkboard or whatever. For me, it's eating and nails on like scratching paper. Oh, I can't, I can't deal with it. And when I'm out in public and I'm eating people with and restaurants, whatever, it's totally fine. It's only when it's quiet and one-on-one do I get triggered by it. And sometimes I get triggered so bad. I never like react in rage. Actually, yeah, sometimes I do. But me raging is like silent where I just have to get up and move like two meters away. <laughs> before I have a meltdown. Wow. But there's a whole um there's a whole subreddit for it and every single person on it has ADHD or autism. So maybe there's something there. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, really interesting. Anyway, my point is there's certain times where I can like grit through it and be fine with it. Um because usually it's around Adrian. We eat together. And other times I just cannot. So I'm gonna next. I'm gonna start tracking that and, mm. and along with my cycle and seeing if oh, there yeah. are certain times I'm more sensitive to it. Do you super do, fascinating? Would you say you're disgusted by the sound of eating, or is it more an, a, some other kind of repulsion that isn't necessarily described as disgust? It's yeah. It's disgust and anger. Like it's I'm the least angry. No, literally nothing makes me angry except the sound of one person Can I ask eating. you something else? And when you yeah. when you get an ick from something else other than the misophonia, do you yeah. feel angry as well? So if that's uh, no, the sausage no, no. breath, does that make you, it doesn't make you angry? No, 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 no. Hmm. no okay, well, then that, that's that's interesting. I wonder if, any, if anyone who's listening can relate. Let us know in the, in the comments. <laughs> I on actually YouTube. had heaps of people when I talked about this ages ago having misophonia Message me being like, one, I didn't know there was a term for that or two, I've had this lifelong and it is like the bane of me and trying to explain to someone else what it is sounds so outrageous because it's such an irrational thing. It's almost like when you have OCD and you've got the compulsive um, actions that you want to take that it doesn't make sense, but it just has, it's just a reaction that you have. It's just something in your brain. Um, so I've had that, I've had it for as, as long as I remember. And I know where it stems from. It was my fucking brother when we'd eat dinner would sit across from me and chew with his mouth open exaggerating it on purpose to piss me off and I would just have like these insane meltdowns like I was like eight years old Um, and it still like triggers me (laughs) so much and there's no like stemming from where the the paper one comes from where I hate the sound of like fingernails on paper and Remy's going through this phase where anything he touches he just goes like this on anything and oh I hate it but I don't get angry at him, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it's what, it's um interesting. Where does where do you think that comes from? With the older brothers always annoying their younger sisters, because I definitely did that to my younger sister. Is that just yeah, sort of jovial it's... teasing? Is it just a, is it something that is physiologically built into us, or is it a a, a cultural thing? It's quite yeah, common. there's so many. I've thought about this a lot because there's so many avenues. 
that it could be. Like I know personally that my brother was like that from the day I was born. So he's two and a half years older than me. My mom said, you know, since I was a baby, he would bite me because he was jealous if I would get attention and be like really aggressive. And then um, throughout like my childhood, I was just, he would try to like drown me in the pool. (laughs) <laughs> like, like hold me Damn. underwater for like just a second or two too long. Um, and I have, I have one phobia in my life, which is vomit. Um, and I've had that since my entire life. And he would just follow me the whole time around the house every single day, pretending to vomit, retching, <sighs> etc. Um, and then, then it was a chewing thing. And my brother though was like, he was, he's diagnosed ADHD and he was one of those like ADHD kids that when you think of ADHD without knowing what ADHD actually is and you think, oh, this is what ADHD is, he was that. Like those kids that were bouncing off the walls, little shits, unmanageable. I was an angel child in comparison. But yeah, I think it's just a funny dynamic where it's like the person. And when you think of like even the Stanford prison experiment, which basically the conclusion is when people are given an opportunity to exert power, they will take it. Um, So that's why I think that older, younger sibling dynamic happens. And by the time I had reached like maybe like 12, 13 years old, that relationship changed drastically to like he was very protective over me and we were very close and good friends, et cetera. But before that... (laughs) He's such a dick. <laughs> it's an older sibling thing, isn't it? Because, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not just the older male sibling to the younger female sibling because I remember, and, you know, I yeah. don't, we don't usually like to just use TikTok as a uh, form of evidence on this podcast. But, again, this this is a fun one today, guys. So uh, there's, a, there's a trend on TikTok, older sibling trauma, and one of them was just the funniest story I've ever heard. Uh, it, it, it was someone who was irrationally afraid of Michael Jackson and so the older sister at 2 a.m., they lived in a, they, they were in the same room and she would go underneath the bed at 2 a.m. and go, hee <laughs> 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 And just terrify the younger sister. That is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> just the image of, of just a, a 12-year-old girl going under a bed of uh, her eight-year-old sister going, <laughs> And then she also used to say, Michael Jackson's in the closet. He's going to come and get you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's, uh, that that's, is so that's pretty funny. That's, that's so good. I actually do, do that to Adrian all the time. The, Not the pretend to Michael, be Michael Jackson Jay. noise. <laughs> no, he's um. We love watching horrors and like our favorite like horror categories. People that have been like possessed or demons and things like that. So sometimes in the middle of the night, like when it's really dark, I like stand in the corner, <laughs> make scary noises. Ah, <laughs> oh, he gets really scared though. He actually gets. <laughs> genuinely scared, which I loved. He hates it. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> random. Yeah. Well, we all do that. Um, Andrew is very sensitive to uh, horror films and things, so then when we do watch Aww. it, I'm always doing things like that as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so funny. On this article I found, uh, uh, someone got the ick for 
something here. Just give me a sec. Let me find it here. Um, so on a first date, someone went with, a, uh, got into a minor car accident. So no one was hurt. It was just, I don't know, they just bumped into another car or something. And then the man called the police and the tow truck came, police took a statement or whatever, and then he called his mum. And she says, oh. okay, I get it. He's shaken up. Apparently she asked him how it happened and then he starts whining and crying, Mom, it wasn't my fault. Oh. And she's emphasised like multiple A's and U's here. And then she goes, he was 28. I had the tow truck, truck driver take me home and I never saw him again. That's so bad. <laughs> Although I always feel like that one's valid. Like usually when you hear an ick, it's actually not super valid. Like I saw um, someone was saying that she was going off to meet her boyfriend or the guy she was dating and it was like at a park and he attempted to do a pull-up in one of those park activity things and he, he failed it and she immediately <laughs> just got the <laughs> fair, fair enough. I think that's how. <laughs> anytime, anytime a man tries to do something that's dominant or assertive or masculine but fails – I can yeah. see how that would be funny and and, and yeah. potentially ick inducing. I actually find it kind of sad when I remember the last time we did a podcast on icks and I watched heaps of TikToks of girls saying what their ick was and a lot of them were coming down to men doing things that weren't deemed as masculine, like wearing a backpack was a one that a million what? people were talking about, <laughs> uh, tying their shoelaces. <laughs> and, like men that had to tie their shoelaces in the street. That was another common one. Um, yeah, there was heaps that I was like, oh, but it's just just like because he's not being super macho or something. Um, but mm. yeah. uh, anything that seems to remind someone of uh, childhood or just comes across as something that a boy would do. Yeah. Could be something like that. You know, if, if someone's tying their shoelaces, you'd usually oh, and associate running for the bus. That. Yeah, you'd that usually was a associate. Huge one. Things yeah. like that with a, with a young boy and so yeah. maybe there's just this visceral yeah. minor level of disgust that comes with that. And it is, yeah, I can see how it would be extremely frustrating for uh, men to hear a list of things that are just basic human behaviours, yeah. wearing a backpack. <laughs> but, you know, I laugh about it when Andrew always tells me when she gets the ick from things and I just either just own it or we just generally yeah. laugh about it. Um, so It's different when you're in a relationship and you kind of just know it's not it's not too serious. Like yeah. Adrian at one point started wearing those, you know, those like slides that have, they're like little massage shoes and they've got like a <laughs> <the> pointy. <laughs> he went through a phase of <laughs> wearing those and I was a bit like, mm. <laughs> I wanted to, babe. I want to wear, um, well, there's this Bollywood song that went really viral called uh, Natu Natu and it won an award mm. uh, at the Oscars. And I really liked what that guy was wearing. He was wearing this sort of 1950s style casual, smart casual suit dress. It, it sort of just had a shirt in, I can't remember if it was chinos or just suit, grey suit pants, but then he had suspenders and I, and I really want to get suspenders and just to yeah. see what it looks like with just an um, – uh, a shirt with maybe the top button undone and then suspenders. And then for some reason um, Andrew just was disgusted Immediately, no. <laughs> by the idea of suspenders. <laughs> I'm still going to get them but I like suspenders. I just thought it was yeah. funny. 
that <laughs> something so banal and simple because usually it would be, oh, look, a man who actually cares about his fashion, that's attractive. Oh, suspenders, nah, that's gross. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you had any icks about her? I, I don't get the ick. I don't know. I get, I get um, <laughs> if when I was dating, certain opinions people would have would, would yeah. that would be comparable to getting the ick maybe. I'd think, yeah. oh, they said something that I didn't, not that I necessarily didn't agree with, but the way they said it or maybe an opinion that they, they might have had. Uh, wasn't disgusted by it, but I was, I suppose, turned off by it, but. There's never any physical things that I can think of that give me the ick. Yeah, because now I'm thinking like I don't think I've just texted Adrian being like, when have I given you the ick and what was it? And he said, he just replied, I never have. <laughs> yeah, and that's not, so this, and that's not, it's not <laughs> putting someone on a pedestal either. I just, I don't, I don't, yeah. I can't identify with that feeling of uh, disgust. Yeah. I, uh. <laughs> I think for for a man, because yeah, men in general would be less disgust sensitive. They'll you look at the male bathroom compared to the female bathroom, things like that. I'd yeah. say I'm average for a man in terms of that sort of disgust sensitivity. I mean, some public toilets, I'll go in and be like, okay, this is just atrocious. I uh, even I'm grossed out by this. But mm. most things, you know, blood or. Uh, <laughs> you know, bodily fluids or whatever, I don't really get super disgusted by that. Um, I feel like it's maybe more common with women and another reason why it's not its not so much disgust, it's things that you find unattractive. And there's a very small, like, difference, I would say, between the two. Um, and women are more in some cases, more sensitive to what they find unattractive compared to men. <laughs> Sometimes men can just find any woman in front of them attractive no matter what they're doing. Um, so to put it lightly, like I'm not serious when I say that. But but it's yeah. true. Well, there's a truth kind to of. that. Yeah, not every yeah. man is like that. But the average man yeah. probably is, is you know, will find smaller things attractive than the than the average woman, mm. maybe. Yeah, I'm sure there'd maybe. be some women as well that are just attracted by every single man that they walk past, although that, I find that very hard to believe. I see it on um, Reddit occasionally, but it's usually people that have a lot of um, trauma and yeah. uh, disorganised attachments and et cetera and hypersexualization. so they're trying to just seek validation, seek attraction, or they're like desperately wanting to get laid all the time and they're hyper-focused on it, which obviously men experience more, not all men, but um, yeah, I do see it occasionally, but definitely sometimes when you scroll through like men's subreddit, like Ask Men, and it's just saturated with like 100 men a day <laughs> saying that. And I'm like, once every six months I see a woman say it, but it's different, different for us all. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Has anyone like ever pointed out an ick to you on a date? Oh, like that there's you've been gone a few, on a date There's with? also been things I've said 
but there was a few sort of misinterpretations as well. Like once I was joking, I was truly joking, but I, and, I, and trying to be sarcastic, but it didn't clearly didn't come across properly. And we were going to a second bar after having had a few drinks at one bar. And then I just sort of jokingly said, oh, this is a cocktail bar. That's fine. I'm rich anyway. <laughs> and I, I'm not, but I said it in a jokey way. And then she didn't want to go on a second date. And then she told me that particular thing I said. And then I was trying to argue with her saying it was a joke, but then that just probably oh. made it uh, more <laughs> turned oh, off. No. But uh, other than that, I'm sure there would have been things that I did that gave off the ick, but you don't really tell that to someone after a second or third date. So I'm um, mm. blissfully unaware of what I uh, could have done that turned people off. Um, if I'm thinking about my younger self and certain things that I might have done, <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, I probably had a bit of pick-me energy, so I'm sure that gave off uh, yeah. some icks. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of most young men probably do. They either they either yeah. have that kind of pick me energy or that just unrefined wannabe alpha red pill type energy, and both of them, yeah, for for, for you know intelligent women would generally be unattractive. Um, I had a guy point out one of my his icks about me once, which was the way I texted because I said ha 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 in caps locks, and then afterwards said mate. He didn't like that I called him mate. And I was like, oh, I just, yeah. I wasn't even calling you mate. I was laughing at your joke. Um, but, yeah, he hated it. He didn't, And he didn't like that I wrote in caps locks either because it was too aggressive. Yeah, some guys don't like it when you call them bro. And Yeah, like I understand I that. I do. <laughs> I, I kind of get Andrea, the bro. I'll call her bro sometimes. Oh, God. <laughs> she doesn't like <laughs> But it's just I a love habit. that, especially it's because she's so like she's so pretty and like feminine. <laughs> the idea of you just calling her bro. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I just looked up um, surveys on the ick, and there are some ones that men have. So one is a common one is girls that are obsessed with star signs. It gives men the ick. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, men will get the ick from things that aren't necessarily physical, um, but yeah. things that they'll say or personalities that they may have or, yeah, yeah. like it's certain political positions. Um, I mean, I've talked about things that I've personally found yeah. f- from my point of view unattractive uh, when it comes to, say, how people express certain political positions or whether they uh, give you the opportunity to express yourself without – just immediately shutting you down, things like that. I would get mm. you could you could say I would get the ick from that. Um, star signs. I don't I don't know anyone who takes it seriously. I, I, everyone I know who's into star signs seems to sort of jokingly be into them. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I know like heaps of girls that are <laughs> really like live breathe. When I dated a girl, she was like. You, you and I, we're gonna work. Like you're a Scorpio, your house, your moon's in Leo. But was she I'm joking? Was she being? No, 100%? she was so. Oh, okay. She was so serious. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, that would be a nick. And I was like, yeah, oh. you're right. Oh, <laughs> I was loving it. I was like, I never have these conversations ever on a date. That was amazing to me. <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So the other ones that said, here's one that men said, um, one in 10 men will get the ick if a woman suggests sharing food on a date. <laughs> like, cannot, cannot relate, but Yeah, okay. that's so weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, smelling bad was the top ick. That's kind of standard. Yeah. The second top ick was pretending to be more knowledgeable about something than they actually are. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, that would Being be universal. I feel that would yeah. be from both genders, you would think. Here's a here's a random one. Um double texting. That's What's that? the fourth one. When someone hasn't replied to the first text and so then they send a second text afterwards. Personally, oh, I love right. double texters. I love when people follow up with me or I love when they if they haven't like kind of given a segue into conversation, they start another one later on. I love that. But that yeah, one's I don't think I can relate there. to that one. Um, I mean, if they're just incessantly texting you at all hours of the yeah. day, and then and then getting mad if you don't reply, you know, there's basic etiquette there that would be unattractive if they're overbearing. But I don't, I can't relate to the specifically double texting one. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's some obvious ones as well, like bad teeth, rude waiters, living in mess, dirty fingernails, talking hmm. too loud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if they voices. get to an extreme, yeah, the baby. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Quirky coloured lipsticks. That's an interesting one from men. Hmm. Depends how quirky. Um, here's, here's one from women as well. Referring to their football team as we. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know what? I agree. And breathing heavily. I agree with that one because I went to the 2018 game to a state of origin where New South Wales, they did win in, in 2014 and then they hadn't won for a long time again and then they won in 2018 and then there's all these men around me that uh, start shaking hands saying, yeah, we did it, boys. Uh, what did you do? You did nothing. You sat uh, on the sideline, yeah. ate a hot dog and cheered. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. Don't say we. You didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, here's one that I agree with wholeheartedly is having an Instagram account for your pet. <laughs> yeah, that's. My, actually, I feel uh, bad saying that, you know, but my friend a... <laughs> has one um, <laughs> and it's really cute. But she, she messages me as the pet. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's oh, it. Yeah. It's so cute and funny because it's funny because it's her. <laughs> kind of, but I just think, oh, God. Any kind of exaggerated babying or sort of yeah. that childish sort of behaviour where if you put on the baby voice or if you just yeah too attached yeah. to the pet or, uh, yeah, yeah you message as the pet and things like that, yeah, that, that can be a bit unattractive. Have you watched The Ultimatum on um on Netflix, the new one, the queer love one? No. It's a show, it's a reality TV show where couples come in. They have one of the couple, like one of the two, have been given an ultimatum where either I want you to marry me or we have to break up. Oh, so they I, go well, onto the show. I've seen a French, then, they've, they've got a French yeah. version of that show and I, um, I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then they date someone else and they live with their like trial wife who's also in the experiment for three weeks. And then they go back to their original and they decide they either have to, there's three options, they have to get engaged, they have to get engaged with their new partner, their trial wife, 
or they had to break up with their original partner. And um, there's one woman on there and she has, she has a dog and she gets, she moves in with her trial wife and they get along really well. They seem to have connected. And the trial wife is this really beautiful, sweet, gentle woman. And she's like, Oh, I'm really excited. I love dogs. And then the other girl's like, um, by the way, she's going to sleep in our bed. And then the trial wife is like, oh, I don't know how I feel about the dogs sharing the bed with us. Like it's a really big dog. It was a husky. Um, it's a small bed. And I kind of like having space in my room. And anyway, the <laughs> the woman just got the biggest ick. She was like, nah, if you don't love me, like if you don't respect oh. my dog, this is never going to work. And she was saying like, my dog is my baby. She will come before anyone else. She's my first priority. It's not you. If it's you or the dog, I'm picking the dog. And they'd known each other for like Ooh. three days, these people. So I felt so bad for her. But I was like, it's funny how the original woman got the ick that someone said no to her dog being on the bed. But watching it, I was getting such ick that she was saying like, the dog comes first. Like just. That's a bit much, yeah. Look, Make I, a little compromise. I, I understand people who have very strong bonds with their pets. I, I do. But yeah, uh, I don't same. think I'd choose the pet over someone in my yeah. life. I think I'd, I'd choose a family member or friends over. Yeah. I, I do love my cat, but um, yeah, yeah, sorry. She's so she ended up sleeping to... on the couch with the dog. She was <laughs> so aggr- passive aggressive about it. Damn. She just, yeah, wouldn't. Wouldn't negotiate, which I guess actually is, it's not an ick, it's more of a red flag when someone has like no willingness to compromise, um, I think is a huge red flag. Yeah. A hundred percent. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, And um, just to wrap up the last couple of icks that were on this list, breathing heavily, I agree. I don't know why it icks me. Um, Referring to themselves in third person. That. Who does that? Oh my god, men. <laughs> and all the time. I it's so I what, don't know what's why. An ex- what's an example? Um oh, Neil, I get a did message. Neil Neil thinks uh that's a good idea. Something like that. Not like that casual, but but actually kind of yes. But like I'd get a message on Tinder being like Jonathan really likes the way you wear this black oh. dress, Eliza, or something. Oh, like this really excites Jonathan, <laughs> uh, and it okay. happens yeah. so often. I was talking about it with my friend, and like, I'm like, there's like one in four guys, maybe not that much, but something crazy, would talk to themselves or reference themselves in third person. Usually, to actually, which is interesting that men did this to uh, describe an emotion. Like, it might be like, oh. Jack didn't like that or Jack's a bit sad now. And it's like, you know, you can connect yourself to that emotion. You can, it's yeah, like a barrier to protect them. Yeah. That's so a bit, I, I, don't, I don't know anyone who, uh, well, I guess the men wouldn't be saying that to me. But <laughs> I actually do, I've, I've remembered one time I, I totally got the ick from someone. This is someone I'd actually, um, I had slept with before. And, you know, it was a casual thing and she was, uh, she was from a different city and she was uh, in town again. And it was, you know, we were planning to, to essentially do it again. Uh, but she came to, it was like before I was doing a show and she was really loud and, bo- and but not in a, like really bogany. Um, 
and mm. she wasn't like that last time and just had a almost had a sort of croaky voice mm. and was the just tang. saying all these really sort of over the top outrageous things and it mm. it completely turned me off and i didn't i sort of ghosted her um yeah and I probably should have said yeah. something, but that was just a massive. But like, what would you even say? Like, so I saw your true personality. <laughs> yeah, you were just uh, got turned off, grossing yeah. me out. Uh, <laughs> and but that was that was the one instance. I and I remember even thinking, "Wow, I must be getting old because when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty, there's no way I would have. Uh, yeah, anything would have done. <laughs> turned down something like that if they were speaking. And it wasn't like when I say speaking loudly, I don't mean just opinionated or just uh, speaking in a commanding way. It was, Mm. yeah, but bogany would be the best uh, word to describe it. It just came across as trashy and it was a big turn off. Speaking of um, sex icks, I went on a few dates. Actually, I think it was like the second time I met this guy and – he was um, studying, training, I don't know, to be a pilot in the military and he was almost done. So I don't know if that has some like niche to it or interesting background. But long story short, the first time, and I've spoken about this on this podcast before as well, the first time we kissed, we kissed for like 10 seconds and it was like immediately getting like passionate and then he like pulls away and just and slapped me across the face. <laughs> just... Fully slapped Damn. me, thinking it was sexy. <laughs> I was like, were you "Oh in, my god!" I'm, where I'm were you? To get were you in the bedroom? In or my in... apartment, um, in the living room. <laughs> and there was no other foreplay or anything. It was just <laughs> ten second kiss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big old slap. He, he just slapped, and it was right across the cheek as well. I was so shocked, <laughs> and I was like, and I thought my first, I froze for a second, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm about to get. Murdered by a man in my apartment. Fuck. And then he started <laughs> trying to kiss me again. <laughs> oh, so weird. Shamefully, I continued with kissing, <laughs> but just rolled with it a bit. And then after, like, you know, a few minutes when I had, like, kind of, I don't know, I feel like I was in a state of freeze. I was like, why did you do that? Like, why did you fucking just slap me on the face? Anyway, yeah, he thought it'd be sexy. I don't think he was that experienced. So that's the conclusion I've come to or he's got some idea from porn or something. It was so weird. <laughs> it's uh, quite intense. Got to ease <laughs> yeah, into stuff that. like that. <laughs> yeah, just ask someone. Like I literally had never even said I would maybe I would be more understanding if in like a context of conversation I had said maybe, oh, I'm really into like BDSM and kink or something like that or rough play. That, I had never said anything of the sort, so I was just so taken aback. Um, it's very random, but wow, you live and you learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he learned from that. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I don't um, think he did. <laughs> I've got a I've got a nice list here of uh, some red flags. So, yeah. and this yeah, is just same. this came out this year. And so these are some that uh, a man has written about that he finds red flags in in, in women, and and a lot of these are quite mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. So she's always criticizing you. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty obvious one. Um, she treats you with contempt. Yeah. That's pretty obvious. She gets defensive. 
This is an interesting one because sometimes it, this is just in not just in a relationship, but generally speaking. I was talking to my, I was talking to Max the other day, and it's a really uh, virtuous quality in people when they have the ability to maturely listen to constructive criticism. Yeah, and, and I agree. Not a lot of people can do it, and I haven't been perfect with that. It's uh, not easy when someone's criticizing you to just not get defensive and to just sit and listen and then to sort of sift through what you've heard and, and think about, okay, how much of that do I need to take on board? Mm. Uh, but that is, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not only a red flag if someone gets extremely defensive every time you offer any sort of constructive criticism. So, for example, the, the, the passive-aggressive response of, hey, if you ask a partner, hey, when you uh, sometimes uh, when you do this, it just feels suffocating or it feels a bit too much. Can we have a chat about it? And then they'll say, oh, fine, yeah. I just won't do anything then. Yeah. Fine, then just go date yeah, someone else. And then yeah. you think, okay, uh, either I have to apologize now or um, yeah. I'm just going to have to leave that one. Uh, what else have we got here? She stonewalls you when there is a problem. That's similar to that one. Mm. Ooh, this is an interesting one. She has different cleaning habits to you. Does your girlfriend like things tidier than you? She will constantly be upset with you for not cleaning up more often. Ooh, that'll that yeah, will cause uh, controversy. Common. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's common as well. Mm. Well, that's an. What do you think about things like that? Because I know you've said that you're not you're not too yeah we got that in about. reverse <laughs> yeah that's a that's an interesting yeah. dynamic but that yeah. seems like such a common um yeah. relationship issue where there's a mismatch of uh what people should be doing in terms of the housework and the standard uh to which mm. something should be cleaned and then you get yeah. into this weaponized incompetence or uh, yeah. just resentment where someone just does it at such a better quality that they eventually end up doing all of it and maybe the other person is either they're not trying or they're genuinely trying and they just can't do it to the same quality that person B can do it It creates a lot of resentment and then it just sort of the it can even dissipate the sexual interest and then that just creates more resentment and it can genuinely lead to breaking up or divorce just because there's a mismatch in their uh, ideals of cleanliness and, and tidiness. And, and I find that so interesting that something like that can balloon into a complete relationship catastrophe. Yeah, it's a huge thing. And it's funny, like we never had issues around it, but it is like an issue we had to navigate where for us um, we had to negotiate like what was the most important task that need to be clean, like need to be completed every day. So every single day, because I'm at home with Remy and Adrian works, I make the beds, do a quick tidy of the bedroom. Usually the issue is my laundry, um, my clothes pile on the floor. Well, now it's no longer on the floor. Um, and every couple of days I do a vacuum and every night the kitchen has to be cleaned, like spotless clean. Um, so the kitchen's always clean. And then on the weekends, on Saturdays, we take turns cleaning, like one looks after Remy while the other cleans and we negotiate like who's going to do what, like does someone clean the floors, does someone vacuum, whatever. And then when Remy goes down for his two-hour lunchtime nap, we just clean together and then we relax for the rest of the weekend. So that's like we've kind of like found the motion that 
works for us. My best friend, her biggest issue in her relationship is this exact problem where she always says to me, like, and I relate to her partner in a lot of ways and personality as well, which is interesting. So she always says like, oh, it's just so frustrating. I wish that, you know, he worked at home on Wednesday. Why wouldn't he think I should mop the floors before Annabelle comes home? Like for once, I just wish he would get up and mop the floors or vacuum without me having to ask him. And I'm thinking like, I would never think to mop the floors. Like <laughs> just like on a random Wednesday because my partner's coming from coming home from work and I'm, you know, working from home, I would just do it when I felt like it or if we agreed to do it. But um, this has been an issue for her and him nonstop. And it's so hard because I almost want to tell her, because I relate to him, like if there are specific things you want to get done, you should tell him what specifically you want to be done and how often and in the same way that that's what I needed. Um, but then I also understand her point of like, this is learned helplessness or this is weaponized incompetence where it's more labor for me to have to communicate consistently. You do this, you do this, you do this. Can you do this? And then it also changes the dynamic of the relationship where she's like, it's that mother-child dynamic where she has to micromanage what he's doing, control what he's doing, and he's like, get off my back. But at the same time, then he's not contributing to the household equally. So mm. for anyone in this predicament, I would say make an agreement once on who's doing what, how often, and when, or if you're doing it together, whatever, and stick to that agreement so she doesn't have to continuously remind you or you don't have to continuously remind her. And if someone is not fulfilling their, their end of the agreement, the issue isn't their cleanliness or tidiness or whatever. The issue is then their respect or their ability to follow through. So it becomes a whole different relationship dynamic and issue from there. Mm. But, yeah, so common. So, so common. common. Unbelievably common and there's also just some people might not even have that same attention to detail. They could try yeah. to clean something to the best of their ability, but it's never going to be up to the standard of someone else who mm. is more potentially disgust sensitive and uh, very common relationship dynamic. You're a unique case where the yeah. you're less disgust sensitive yeah. when it comes to yeah. cleanliness and organization and, and your male partner might be more, but yeah, usually it seems to be the, the other way yeah. around and um when i've had a live-in girlfriend yeah those sorts of issues um have come up and we would either yeah negotiate or some sort of other compromise would come about but uh yeah, yeah. it did cause some uh, some arguments and it's hard as well when someone wants you to do it in the way they do it cuz that friend i was just talking about i remember when they came over one time and they were laughing about the spite they had. And even though it's so stupid, they genuinely had a big fight about this where he, she said she was craving some bread and then um, he went to the bakery and got this specific loaf of sourdough and then he pre-cut it like really thin slices and she was so mad because she wanted to cut the slices herself to <laughs> the thickness that she wants. And that was kind of like a dynamic that they have when she's like also – she's really good at cooking. So when she really wants him to cook, so he goes up and cooks and then she's like, oh, don't put the onions in the pan without oil or, 
you know, spices or something like that. And she kind of wants to intervene because she's like, it'll be a thousand times better if you do this. But she's now having to learn, like, I can't just give him a task and then dictate exactly how it's completed. I just have to sit back and trust it and just let him do his thing. And um, my my other friend's partner, he he's one of the, those people that he – when we hang out, he hates because I rinse the dishes after I eat. I give him a rinse and do, put them in the dishwasher. He finds that so disgusting that I don't hand wash with soap and then put it into the dishwasher. And I was like, but that's washing it twice. Like, but that's yeah. a disagreement we always have. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's hard. So my friend who dates him has adapted as well. She just she hand washes everything and then puts it into the dishwasher. As okay. well, so there you go. they've just changing they've gender just roles learned. here. This is not, yeah. yeah. This is uh, <laughs> that's this is from what from at least what it seems to be. That's unique that the the man is more yeah uh, concerned about the cleanliness of the dishes and things. But there you go. Um, yeah, to be fair, that's the only thing he's like weird about, and she does like she is the really clean, tidy person. But he just has this one thing about how the dishes are done. But yeah, weird. It's a, it is a uh, yeah because I can understand both perspectives. If someone's genuinely trying, if they're not, maybe just either they're not used to doing the the cleaning, which is not necessarily a good thing nowadays. Yeah. But or they just might not be as concerned. Uh, there's certain things I remember in previous relationships where I, I like to think, from my perspective, I clean. I would clean the the cups you know, quite yeah. well and then there'd maybe be like a tiny little, you know, every now and then a tiny little something on the cup, you know, a little mark yeah. here or there and then she would take it as a sign of disrespect that I wasn't paying enough attention and then I would get defensive because uh, I thought, why? okay, one little thing here, like give me give me some slack. I'm, I'm, I didn't even see that till you pointed it out. Um so I don't know. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's her. It's um. Hopefully you yeah. you, you can find someone who's sort of within the same sort of realm of uh, cleanliness yeah. and and organization that you are, so that you don't have too many arguments about it. But uh, that's a such. Yeah, a, it's so funny how it's one. one of those things you want to have in common in a relationship. Like you want to have. There's a lot of things you should have in common, like shared religion or religious goals or understandings or financial goals and understandings, whatever. And then there's cleanliness. And I remember when Adrian and I first started dating and I'm not a messy person. Anytime that someone comes over, they don't, they say like the place always looks nice. I always have candles going, but I'm just like not as meticulous as his. Or I, if I have like a tea by the couch or something, I'll leave like my teacup on the armchair of the couch and that triggers him. And to be fair, I've spilt the tea on the couch like 45 times, (laughs) but, um, when we first started dating and I would do that and he was like, he'd always take my cup into the kitchen for me. And I'd be like, this is going to be one of those things that you hate in a couple of years time. And he's like, no, I think it's really cute. I think it's adorable. I love that you do that. Yeah. Now he hates it. (laughs) He's always like, just put it in the kitchen. When you're done, just put it in the kitchen. (laughs) Honeymoon period compared to I can imagine when you've got got a baby and you're on two hours sleep and then see if we find a kid. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully AI can just do everything for us soon. (laughs) Yeah. It's 
Oh, that yeah, I got true. a robot vacuum cleaner um, a year ago. Oh, best investment. Oh, really? Yeah, it was seven hundred dollars. So I thought, okay, you know, wow. but, um, oh, amazing. Is it one of those little ones that like you just let it go around on its own? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it? It does it so well. And you know, I'm at little edges here and there. I'll get the the handheld one yeah. and, and finish it off. But worth the money. Yeah, really, really, uh, really good. And now they're getting quite advanced. Um, they say that there'll be self cleaning kitchens maybe in ten years and and things like that. So hopefully these That's um wild. issues will be uh, issues of the past, but. The same time, well, I'm sure some new issues will come up. Like, oh, this AI that you like, I don't like it, and we're gonna have a fight about <laughs> yeah. that or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I remember even when my yeah yeah my parent like my dad tried to make a make a concerted effort to sort of cook more and you know do more housework duties. But even when I was a teenager, we remember thinking his cooking was just. I love the man, but his cooking was garbage it was so bad and so you didn't really know what to do Um, whether you just have to put up with it for a few months till hopefully he gets better or um just mum had to do it but then yeah there's um Mm -hmm. uh, the the perception of an unequal share of uh duties there can cause a lot of resentment so yeah mm, some Seems so simple, but these are the things that actually are probably more important than some of those really big uh, shared opinions and, and, well, early on in a relationship those big ones are important, but then these little ones and the ability to negotiate and come to a compromise that leaves everyone reasonably happy seems like the, the uh, like a big test for a lot of uh, relationships. And then, you know, there's there's this happens in professional environments as well where someone – might feel like they're doing the lion's share of the work or someone else at, at a similar professional level uh, perceives someone else to be not as competent as them and if they're in a team or they're in some sort of group project, it can cause a lot of frustration and, and resentment and then mm. the other person can feel like they're being micromanaged and, yeah, it's a very yeah. uh, it's a very common issue in not just mm. romantic relationships but mm-hmm. um, rela- all relationships sure i've got um a big one men that or anyone that keep you a secret or keeping your relationship a secret so they haven't introduced you to their friends or the kids the family and it's like you're a year or two in then you start wondering am i the side chick i think that's a huge huge one there's something always sus about people that that or they just don't want people to know that they're in – they don't other, want other women to know they're in a relationship. They want to maintain the facade that they're single or whatever. So if your man's hiding you, it's a huge red flag. Yeah, Unless yeah. – the only caveat to that I'll say is like cultural relationships. Um, there, you know, when someone's like I'm expected to be in an arranged marriage or something or there is a genuine threat or safety concern for people to know I'm in this relationship. Or when I went to um, – when I used to work with a lot of like Arabic girls, they would date men and they wouldn't tell their families because they couldn't date without the intention to marry. So in those cases I understand but in any other case that's a no. <laughs> yeah, you want someone to be proud of you. You want someone yeah. to, you know, to a reasonable deg- degree flaunt you. Um, yeah. 
sometimes. I understand I, and, for and, you though as well. It's different as well when you have. Well, like, like social high, media, high profile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. I do. That's actually caused some uh, uh, arguments in in previous relationships where I didn't want to share um, my intimate partner on my social media because. I thought, well, this is just a way for me to present my work to the world. And I don't want to, I was yeah. never comfortable, you know, for, for this is going to be hard for a lot of people to hear. But 10 years ago, not a lot of people shared a lot of their personal life on social media. Um, yeah. that, was, that was a trend that seemed to evolve over the last 10 years. And I was mm-hmm. never comfortable doing that. I just would share thoughts or jokes or videos. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, she took it a bit personally and thought, well, why are you not, you know, you're not proud of me do you not think I'm attractive and things like that and again it would cause a few um little squabbles uh Mm. but uh yeah I I still I don't I don't like to share too much um you know I'm not a vlogger or a yeah I guess this podcast is is more about me personally and and you know relationships and things but most of what I put out online is just my work or my mm. uh, ideas and opinions, and yeah, every now and then I'll, I'll I'll have a photo with a with a friend or a partner. But I try to. I think there's a reason it's called a personal life. I don't want to share too much, yeah. and it's nothing to do with the actual partner. It's just more me. Yet, yeah, yeah. some people kind of. But then you sort of. But then if you've got a profile, you think, well, hang on a minute. Do you actually? like me for me or are you using me to get yourself a profile you know because a lot of people Mm. do do that in this kind of toxic social media influencer world a lot of people just date each other because they know they can get a bunch of followers out of it and i'd be terrified of something like that so i think maybe as a defense mechanism i sort of left my partners off social media for as long as possible Mm. just to ensure that in fact, yeah, that was an ick. That was a red flag if it was really early on and someone was saying, oh, you should post a photo of us. And then I'd think, mm, this is the fourth yeah. date. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I just met you, mate. And then, yeah. Yeah, then you immediately think, all right, do you like my profile or do you like me? And so there, that's a that's a unique one that maybe, yeah, not, not everyone can relate to. but Niche, yeah. yeah. Um, but so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other? Oh, yeah. Pers- I was just, God, get to, I have a thousand oh, of them. Got, probably okay. don't have any time. Let's go. Um, but I'll run through some. Um, mummy's boys. Yeah. So and, and daddy's you, girls as well. Yeah, I feel like they're different though. Like daddy's girls I can see more of an ick, but mummy's boys I see sometimes as a red flag in the sense I love a guy that has a good relationship with his mother. That's essential to me. But when you're a mummy's boy, it's like I don't run – I can't run any decision by without my mother's input and the mother's constantly interjecting themselves into the relationship, um, competing against the girlfriend or the wife or whatever. Um, those are major issues or when the guy chooses his mum over. Yeah his partner. So I don't see that as much with daddy's girls. Like that's those same dynamics. I see like the red flags for different reasons, definitely. But yeah, that one's, that one's a pretty like big one. That's fair and enough. when I looked at, um, on, on TikTok for red flags and men, the biggest one, sorry, if you can hear Remy screaming in the good. background, he's playing, um, was men that have 
a girl best friend. <laughs> that was the I, most well, common one. And I'm sure yeah. uh, it would relate the other way as well where I would – yeah. yeah, I'm in two minds about it, but every time I have dated a girl who has a guy best friend, oh, it's eyebrow raising just how close they are. You know, yeah. there was there was one where, oh, she mentioned that it's almost like this is this is probably an unnecessary amount of psychological analysis here, but that opposite sex best friend is some kind of test to see how loyal or to see how jealous or possessive a partner could become because some of the things that this girl I was dating said about that male best friend, you know, oh, yeah, no, I I, I used to like him but now I don't and we're just friends and then already you think, oh, oh, all right, uh, okay. And then you feel like the possessive one getting concerned about it and then um, oh, one time she went and, and, and watched – the sunset with him and they cut up all this fruit oh. and and sort of yeah. it was very date-like and then yeah. I got, yeah, I got jealous and I said, why, well, you, you can't do that. And yeah. then yeah. Um, she said, oh, well, we were talking, I was talking about you the whole time but okay. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was oh, very immature God. and horrible relationship. It's never about nice like testing you to be <laughs> jealous. It's they want you to be jealous when they're talking yeah. about, it like that, like saying, I had feelings for him, but I don't anymore and going on dates. They want you to be jealous. I've had lots of guy best friends. I've lived with four guy best friends um, and long so- and I've had a lot more as well. And let me tell you, I no longer have guy best friends because every single guy best friend I've ever had, as except for one, my most recent housemate, and I love him, bless him, every single other guy that I've been really close with has confessed feelings for me as soon as I'm single or (laughs) basically as soon as I'm single, every single one of them hands down. Um, And it's (laughs) been beyond disappointing. Um, So I don't, I don't have best friends anymore. There's a, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of guys would also have that red flag about, um, about women and, and, yeah. The women can sometimes be uh, not not Naive. think that that the guy <laughs> is romantically interested in her, and yeah. in, in, in I'm sure in many situations they're actually not. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes you just raise eyebrows, thinking, mm, really. And it's <laughs> always the one. I always say this, but it's always the one that you have that like gut feeling about, and then you end up being right. And I've been on the bad side of that where two ex-boyfriends ago said about my most recent ex-boyfriend who I'd been friends with since I was we'd been working together since I was 19 and we were best friends and he was like I I feel like so-and-so has feelings for you and I was like absolutely not I'm friends with his girlfriend kind of like I we get along and he's not like that he's always said I'm way too like wild for him kind of not wild in that way <laughs> you know what I mean and anyway he ended up being my next boyfriend um and that was a weird and the funny thing was is that even though we dated for like two years and I did really love him but it never like to me I always had this gut feeling that 
I wish we had just stayed friends, but I felt like, oh, we've been best friends for so many years and we get along so well. It makes sense. Yeah, no, like it was just, but yeah, he, the original boyfriend <laughs> had that feeling all along. So that's, um, you know, there's also interesting. There's something to be said about em- emotional infidelity where say someone who's very yeah. close with a coworker or. There's another one. People yeah. who say they have a work wife or a work husband. Oh, no. What is that? Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's just weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a big uh, red yeah. flag. And then the, that's and, what I get the most common, uh, most frequent messages about on Instagram from people in relationships. Uh, I have feelings for a coworker. What do mm. I do? All the time. Um, and. It's that's why I wanted to do a podcast. I forgot on like proximity attraction, where when you're like exposed to someone or you're in close proximity, time and time again to someone, you suddenly find them more attractive than they actually are, or you're just attracted to them. Um, and that's why coworker relationships and affairs are so common and so frequent. But if you'd spent a few weeks away with them, or if you'd gone on a date with them without them being your coworker, chances are you probably never would have even gained an attraction to them. So it's a it's a hard dynamic that one. And there's a status dynamic at play because I hear a lot of uh, girls on social media talk about how they're not sure if they're attracted to someone because of their personality or because they're in a professional subordinate position to a man who yeah. might be a superior or or a boss, and also vice versa. Yeah. And there's a few uh, interesting socio-psychological dynamics that play in modern workplaces like that. And I would be very interested to see more research and things like, you know, what what are the factors that might cause someone to develop feelings for a co-worker and um, what, you know, is it usually uh, professional acquaintances on, the, on, the, on a similar sort of uh, level of authority and status or is it usually some sort of tension there between the professional status and as a result that creates a lot of sexual tension. Do we sort of confuse that? It's a pretty interesting dynamic to me. I Personally, I feel like it's equal both ways. I feel like there's that the boss and subordinate dynamic is self-explanatory in that way, in the way that you explained it. And I think the other one where you're equal colleagues is equally as common just, just based on shared experiences like the highest rates of cheating is in people that work with police paramedics where they have such um like and doctors doctors nurses etc um have such shared and unique experiences that by the time you get home you don't want to offload that onto your partner or talk about it or they wouldn't understand it or it's just an everyday thing so then when they share that experience or share that trauma with someone else slash also working really late hours 3am lulls when nothing's happening and you're just having deep and meaningful conversations you're bonding in so many different ways so mm. it's a recipe for disaster and you know when i was when i was single and I just knowing that literally anyone that ever told me I'm a cop or um, I'm a doctor, I just didn't even give them a chance. And it's such a it's huh. a judgment I hold I, and I'm ashamed of it. Like obviously not every single doctor is not a cheater and every single cop isn't a cheater. But I was just like, no, I'm not risking <laughs> I've never been cheated on thus far. I'm not about to put myself in the firing line of being paranoid or 
even just worrying about it, just wondering, I don't want to experience it ever. So interesting. Now I date a tradie. Mm. <laughs> Works with men. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, there's um, less opportunities for tradies to cheat, <laughs> isn't there? So yeah. <laughs> Look, if you date but a comedian, yeah. there's not many. Um, there's definitely far fewer female comedians than male comedians, although that is definitely changing. And actually it is a very incestuous environment, to be fair. What is the rate just off the, like in your experience of female comedians? Do, would you say that there are is more gay female comedians than straight or would you say it's split or more straight that you know of? I think in the comedy world there's definitely a higher incidence of um, LGBT representation and I yeah. think that's mainly because it's a you know it's an artistic creative industry and there is a big correlation between yeah artistry and creativity with the yeah. LGBT community specifically female comedians and whether they're uh I don't know I don't have any uh I I don't have any data I would guess there'd also be a higher incidence although it's not overwhelming I don't uh I don't think there's an overt amount of lesbian or bisexual or, or transgender female comedians compared to straight women. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's, if anything, there might be more gay male comedians um, relative really? to the general population. Wow. In Australia, there's quite a lot. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I don't know. Um, it's a, it's a, well, I guess the stereo, I don't know, this is, totally stereotypical here but you know the uh, gay men are the ones that are stereotypically considered more artsy and and having more feminine traits whereas lesbian women are stereotypically considered to have more masculine traits and might Mm. not be attracted to an artistic industry Mm. but that's just you know me theorizing doubt and i don't know but yeah i don't i don't um no, I don't think there's a higher incident, yeah. a, a notably higher incidence of um, gay female comedians. They're definitely there, but and I, I only th- ask that because I feel like my for you page, like only com- only gay female comedians come up on my for you page, and oh, you really? of course, but yeah. And I was like, is it that there's so many lesbian comedians, or is this just targeted for me? <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess think that's, that's just targeted okay. for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Learned so much about myself from TikTok. TikTok's definitely telling me I'm gay all the time. <laughs> it's telling you something. Yeah, that's the conspiracy theory. Yeah. TikTok's telling yeah. It tells me gay. I'm gay and it tells me I'm ADHD. That's like all my videos. <laughs> oh, but that t- TikTok tells everyone it's their ADHD. Yeah. yeah and TikTok's probably true. making people have a lower attention span as well with their uh, yeah, five second that. high intensity videos. I'm trying to limit The only my reason TikTok use. I feel like I could be ADHD is because my brother is ADHD and I have my other brother and my father also neurodivergent. And the very niche reasons is that misophonia and hypermobility, which I have like chronic hypermobility, are both signs of ADHD. That's my only <laughs> conclusion. I probably don't, but, you know, statistically, that's there. It's in the family. <laughs> It's big time, but yeah. everyone I know is basically seeking an ADHD diagnosis. But let's not get into that. that's a whole other. That's a that's an that's interesting a podcast for podcast another day. Though, because yeah, yeah there's, it's almost 
some would say it could be becoming almost like a cultural trend and there are factors that are causing people to experience symptoms that mimic ADHD that might not necessarily be the ADHD, such as mainly social media and scrolling is obviously destroying our attention spans and... It's not it, some some of the standards people also have uh, saying you know I can only focus for two hours and then I can't focus anymore. That's normal. Well, I also feel like people are getting more diagnosed with ADHD because the definition of ADHD and the understanding about ADHD is stepping a lot further away from just the inability of focusing, which people were like, oh, I can emotionally regulate and focus okay, so I don't have ADHD. And then you find out there's like a million other little things that might be more likely that you have rather than focusing. For example, you might actually be a hyper fixator where you focus so intently on one task or one topic, etc. So you might be like, well, I don't have ADHD because I hyper fixate on this or I focus so hard when I'm doing my art or something. But that in itself is also an ADHD symptom along with a million other things. So it's definitely interesting, especially with the way I say that as well all the time. Like, well, the way we use social media is bringing in symptoms to us. And I see on like Reddit, a lot in my parenting forums that I'm in. So many people like, I'm pretty certain my two-year-old has ADHD. And then upon questioning, turns out their two-year-old spends six hours a day on an iPad. And that's like, Mm, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How much of it is the environment and how much of it is the sort of the the actual genetics that people might have. And and I'm not, by no means my expert in this at all, but it's a, Mm. from what I've heard, it sort of has this sort of epigenetic context to it where a lot of people yep. might be carriers of the gene and then there's yep. certain environmental factors that trigger its manifestation yes. and how yeah. uh, overt that manifestation is and diet is another big thing that can cause yeah yeah if, if the if um you know I remember, when i was a kid i had fruit loops for breakfast and then oh. i'd go to the canteen and have an uh icy cup which was just a, a oh yeah like a an ice Apple block juice? Yeah. yeah, I had juice. I had I just yeah. just was filling my body with sugar. Yeah, and look, and there, there, there wasn't the nutritional education that we have today. And yeah, my parents um, maybe just didn't didn't know a lot about that. So mm. can't sit here and and get resentful about that. But yeah, mm. I do wonder how much would that have impacted my um not just my health and my attention span and my mental well-being when I was a child, but uh, over the long term as well, uh, when you're in mm. such a important period for, for growth. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I could have been, <laughs> who knows, I could have been a six foot two, eh? <laughs> but um, <laughs> the other thing is uh, sleep is a big one where people are just getting far less sleep yeah. and a lot of that is also because of all of these uh, interact with each other. So if you if you eat poorly, and they're on social media all day, you can't sleep well. And if you don't sleep well, um, if you're underslept and don't have adequate nutrition, you can experience a lot of symptoms that might mimic an, a, a genetic uh, issue when actually it's environmental. So, yeah, it's important to go to a professional and not diagnose yourself from TikTok. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. go to an actual professional because there's these people who are diagnosing on tiktok from people who don't have any training and you know then they're taking drugs that they don't necessarily even need and it's not it's not good yeah agreed 
Oh, agreed, 100%. We should definitely do a, um, a podcast on that one day. Yeah, and epigenetics, that's a really – I'm reading a book yeah. about that. As, yeah. I just finished that book actually. Um, fascinating, so fascinating just yeah. how much of our genes are actually – sort of you could see it as more of a tree and then which branch those genes become activated, you know, sort of which genes are activated based on a certain branch are determined by environmental factors. Um, mm. Even, say, if a, they did experiments where a woman who was pregnant – experienced um not full-on starvation but uh a, you know nutritional deficiency for a, a certain amount of time of the pregnancy and then mm. even though it was three months and then after that everything was back to normal there were adverse health impacts on that child all throughout their adulthood and then sometimes it even mm. manifested later on in their life because certain genes were triggered during that yeah. time of nutritional deficiency and yeah. Also, if if you have a a, a physiological deficiency like a, a lack of just skin on skin contact or or um, just physical intimacy and connection with a caregiver, that can mm-hmm. massively increase your incidence of uh, anxiety yeah. and yeah. Uh, other Touch negative mental health yeah. impacts. So, oh, so fascinating. It's so, and you think about intergenerational trauma and our indigenous communities, Holocaust victims, etc., and how that's kind of come down through the generations. It's so devastating and it's so, um, but also fascinating as well to see the impact that is still carried on so many years later and is so true and so relevant still uh, to people. So it's, it is an interesting thing. I was actually listening to a podcast today about how um, even past the point of birth, obviously, and just kids, um, how they're so attuned to their caregivers, usually the mother, that there were studies done that when a mother witnessed, um, a, a, it was a bombing. I don't know if they actually mentioned what type, if it was 9-11 or whatever, but it was a bombing in close proximity, if the mother reacted really scared, saying, we've got to run, we've got to run, that child carried that trauma based on the mother's reaction with them for life and had a lot of um, complex trauma and PTSD long-term. And for other mums that responded saying, okay, we've got to find the shelter. We're going to like kind of like almost making it like a game, trying to protect them from the trauma of it. The kids resolved that within days and didn't have long-term residual impacts of it. Um, and it's just like, even, um, I was learning that you're, when you're breastfeeding or feeding your baby, you're relaxing your baby, but your baby is also relaxing you. And in the same way, which kind of seems obvious, but what's also interesting is that when you get excited, your baby also gets excited and vice versa. When your baby's excited, you get excited. So you have this ongoing relationship of impacting each other's emotional states through infancy and how that is and wow. their experiences in infancy is completely determines their attachment style and the out the outlook of the rest of their lives. Obviously attachment styles can be changed later in life, but it's a difficult process, etc. But yeah, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Very fascinating. <laughs> I think we've got to do a podcast on that soon. Yeah, so. that's another days. I'm yeah. like sitting in the dark yeah, now. Yeah. This light <laughs> we're going to end this before so you shit. get into uh, getting, pitch black. Gotta, I, <laughs> every time we we do a podcast and it's getting dark, I'm like, oh, I have to buy a light and then I forget I'm going to do it like immediately now. I actually did buy a light but I couldn't get it. I didn't couldn't figure it out. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but I'll buy another one. <laughs> 
look so spooky. Anyways. Yeah, you do look kind of funny there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you uh, for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it on social media. Tell your friends about it. Give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you didn't like it, hey, just uh, keep your mouth and uh, other um, parts of your body shut and don't have to tell anyone. So thank you for listening and we will we'll see you next week. Thanks guys. See you next week. Bye.